There's a trillion different ways that you can make side hustle money. We talked about Airbnb, where you could rent out a part of your home for a short-term stay. We've talked about Turo, where you can rent out your car. Well, I got a new platform where you can actually rent out part of your home for storage. Now, self-storage is actually low-key, a massively, massively booming industry right now with all of this pandemic stuff. Neighbor helps you actually profit off that. Self-storage places, you know, they're needed, but there's a lot of quirks around them. Neighbor can actually help you do a peer-to-peer version of that where you store, you know, somebody stores their stuff in your garage and they pay you for it. And so you run your little, you know, self-storage operation and I'm happy to uh, partner with them. They are sponsoring the podcast now. Uh, So I'm really, really excited. And guys, just another way for you guys to make some legitimate money, literally doing nothing like very, very passive. So check out the show notes for that. I really hope that you guys check it out because, man, I think I'm going to try it out. Yo, what is going on, baby? Nathan Kennedy, the new money podcast, episode 138. What's going on with you beautiful people? How y'all doing? Hope you guys are doing well. Today, I have one from the vault. We're going to go over some shopping biases that might be costing you money. We're all subject to biases. We can't like just get rid of them, but it does help a little bit if we are more aware of them. And so I shared these back about a year ago, but I wanted to share them again because there's a lot of new faces here. Well, I guess ears here, and I really want you guys to know about them. So let's just dive on into it, baby. Okay, guys, so I'm going to run through a few biases today. I'm going to tell you why that shit matters to you in your everyday life, and then we'll recap so you know what to walk away with. Uh, There are a few articles I pulled the data from as well, so if you want to check out and look into it further, uh, I'll include that in the show notes as well. The show notes are like going to be long as hell for this episode. Okay, firstly, let's talk about the mere exposure effect. This effect describes people's tendency to like a product they are repeatedly exposed to, no matter what the product is. This is caused by people getting familiar with the product, which facilitates them liking it. This is the reason advertisers ideally want to show you their ad as many times as possible. So this isn't really like ironclad as it doesn't automatically make you like it if you see it more. And it sure as shit doesn't mean it'll drive purchasing behavior as well, because I'm sure you guys have seen a million commercials uh, a million times over and you've never even thought to, to buy it or even if you like it or not. Um, but humans in general, we like familiarity. Um, we like what we know because we don't like uncertainty, right? We notice things already primed in our memory or if they are repeated frequently. All things constant, if you have to choose between McDonald's or Burger King and you've never eaten in either one, I don't know where the hell you're living if that's the case, but if you've never had it, but you've seen a ton of McDonald's commercials and none of Burger King, probably gonna go to McDonald's, right? That just kind of makes sense logically, right? Now with something like this, if it's a low involvement purchase, meaning you aren't giving it much thought and the price or risk is low, like it's not really, it doesn't really matter then this effect doesn't really matter that much, right? It's a low involvement decision. What matters is when people make big purchase decisions, not on research, not on reason, but the fact that they saw it in a commercial a few times versus another model or another company. The takeaway here is to make sure you are making informed decisions with your money and not relying on your familiarity with the brand or the product to drive your purchasing decision. 
If the product you choose ends up being the one advertised and so be it, but make sure that you're basing it on legit variables and not the fact that one, you know one more than the other, right? Do a little bit of research when that involvement is higher. Okay, so the second is authority bias. So this cognitive bias describes people's tendencies to weigh the opinion of an authority figure more heavily. Also, they are more easily influenced or convinced by authority figures. A classic example of this cognitive bias is used by marketeers to influence consumer behavior with, with toothpaste, right? So you, you guys ever see those Sensodyne bullshit uh, dentists that are, you know, saying that, you know, maybe there are real dentists. I don't know if they're real dentists, but like that kind of style where it's like this person just saying, I recommend this to all my clients. That actually legit works. Like I know it seems a little phony, but people actually are like, oh, damn, well, the dentist said it's good. It's good. So for you guys, again, the takeaway is to research the product and don't believe any expert unless you know prior that this person knows what the hell they're talking about. There's nothing wrong with trusting an influential person promoting a product. We all do it. Just make sure that the person promoting it is legit as well as the product if you're going to let that actually drive your purchasing decision. Okay, number three is the decoy effect. Okay, so this bias describes a situation in which people are influenced into making an alternative decision to what they would have initially chosen by adding a decoy. This is used by a lot, if not all companies that are selling something. Companies know that even if people in general aren't amazing with money, everyone, everyone loves a good deal. Who doesn't love a good deal? And they will seek to maximize their money if they can. Here's an example of the decoy effect. Consumers can choose between two buckets of popcorn. A small one is $3 or a large one is $7. In this situation, a lot of people choose the small bucket because the large one just seems unreasonably priced. However, when we add a third option, a medium-sized bucket that costs $6.50, consumer behavior actually changes, and this is backed by a lot of studies. Now, because of the medium option, the large bucket seems like it's a much better deal. You spend 50 cents extra, you get a size up, right? And there's actually a significant increase in large purchases when you add that medium, and you'll see that in grocery stores, you'll see that in service offerings, you'll see that on Amazon, you'll see that everywhere, right? And it's really playing on that aspect of people trying to maximize their money. I mean, again, some people are more involved with their purchases than others, but most of the time, most people are looking to get a good bang for their buck. And so if they think they're getting a bang for the buck, even if they really aren't, it could actually drive them to spend more money. My advice is to not weigh the pricing as much and think about how much popcorn you actually want. Try not to pay more money to save money, right? Like how many times have, have you paid more for something just because there was a deal, right? You think, mm, well, you know, I actually am pretty hungry and you know, it's only a dollar more. You know, I've done it. Um, energy drinks in universities killed me with that. Um, but they jack single cans up so high that you literally feel stupid for not taking the other deal. You know, as I was writing the script for this, I realized that, yeah, you know, I did put those drinks to good use as I drink a lot of caffeine, whatever. Uh, not as much anymore, but I definitely was back then. But I'm sure there's so many times where I should have just got one and not cared about what the single unit cost was instead of spending more money just to get something I didn't need. So again, guys, when making those decisions, really try to figure out how much product you actually want or need. And in most cases, don't spend more just to get a deal unless you truly want that volume that is, you know, on deal. And you'd probably get it regardless of if it was on deal or not. Okay, guys, so number four is primacy bias as well as recency bias. They're really similar. We talked a little bit about recency bias in the behavioral economics episode. 
Um, but primacy effect, recency effect, are they're just effects that describe people's tendencies to better remember either the first or last thing mentioned. Advertisers use this knowledge by presenting the most important information, like the name of a product, the website, etc., at the start or at the end of an ad. The middle typically doesn't do that well in terms of recall. Now, recency bias can also be applied to recent events that have happened that really frame your outlook on how things are. For example, if you think brick and mortar stores are dead because of how online everything's been in 2020, you might be discounting how quickly that conversion actually could happen because there's a there's still billions, trillions of dollars that are done offline, right? And you would think that, oh, it's my God, like we're going to be all online in like two to three years. It's going to be a lot longer than that, right? And that's because of that recency bias, right? We, it's We're living in the now. We're thinking that this is what reality is. It's not necessary. Like that's definitely where it's going. Don't get me wrong, 100%. And it's definitely accelerated this year. Uh, the trajectory is insane, but it's going to take a long time for anything like that to happen. So the takeaway here is to try to zoom out with your purchases, right? It's the same sort of thing I said a few episodes prior, you know, zoom out, analyze whatever purchasing decision you have and think about what makes the most sense given a variety of variables, not just the most memorable, the end of an ad or brand you and your friend were just talking about an hour ago. Just again, zoom out, try your best to think rationally. I think I could sum up pretty much everything I've ever said with anything <laughs> on this episode or any psychology episode is just try your best to think rationally, try your best to take the emotion out of it, right? And the last one I want to talk about today is the bandwagon effect. So you can imagine what this one is about. It's an effect that describes how the chance of people adopting certain ideas or making decisions increases when many others have made these same adaptations or choices. Underlying mechanisms of this cognitive bias are people's need to conform to a group norm and the use of other people's choices as information for making your own choices. A classic example of how marketeers use this in influencing consumer behavior is presenting their product alongside statements like number one bot, fastest selling product, like, you know, these nothing statements that they don't mean anything, but because, you know, it, it, it makes you think that, oh, everybody's buying it, um, you know, that it's it's legit, right? If everybody's buying it, then it's legit, it has to be, right? It's like the AirPods thing, everybody's buying it. AirPods are not a good example because those actually fucking rock like they're <laughs> sick like but you know that you know you get what I'm saying like just because an ad says that everybody's buying that has like that does not mean that everybody's actually buying it and even if everybody is that doesn't necessarily mean it's any good so guys zoom out right like it's that zoom out thing now there is some merit to selection of a product or service that has great reviews right referrals and reviews are one of the most valuable things you can have as a consumer however just like anything, there is quality reviews and bullshit reviews, right? Amazon, I'm sure if you guys have ever shopped on Amazon, is pretty bad for this as there's some reviews that just, they're not real at all. It's just the merchant putting bots and making gibberish, right? You know, quick aside, you know, look at the grammar verbiage and, and the feel of the review. Oftentimes you can tell if uh, a review is legit or not. And maybe, you know, I'll make a, an Amazon episode down the line, but I doubt it. You know, this is this is the sort of overall expert thing, right? It's, you know, we need to make sure we can trust the resources we are placing our faith in. The key here is to make sure that if you're going to rely on a review, if you're going to rely on a group choice, right, you need to make sure that group is legit. Is it a legit group? You know, would they ever put their name behind something that they don't believe in that's legit, right? Like, I mean, that's what you need to do when you're going to take a review, when you're going to take uh, a group choice, you need to be like, okay, you need to size up the, the review 
and the person giving the review as much as the actual product and service itself, right? So reviews, referrals, great, but it matters who's saying them. So there you have it, my friends. Thank you so, so much. And before you tune off, before you leave, because I've looked and y'all always leave when I say thank you so much, my friends, y'all dip. Before you leave, be sure to leave those Spotify reviews, Apple reviews. It really fucking makes me money. <laughs> For real, I'll be honest with you guys. I'd really appreciate it. That two seconds, man. I'd Damn, man, I really appreciate that. So I appreciate y'all. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I hope you guys are smarter shoppers now. But yeah, that's pretty much it. So I appreciate y'all. Boy, I love y'all. But for now, I'm out this mother. Peace.